0: welcome to the daily brain bleed my name is jeff my name's turner wait wait hang on a second no that wait. was are we are we doing last week again uh, you want to talk about y- whiplash
1: you know um it's been a minute since i've seen the movie um i could do commentary on your
0: guys's uh podcast <laughs> on the topic let's get meta uh i uh,
1: would that be content
0: is this, that, is ep- this is this is episode 16.5 actually um <laughs> this is an addendum no so obviously uh absolutely thrilled to have the og original cast of the daily brain bleed back once again bringing you just the the lukewarmest takes kind of like a pbr at a frat party we're just kind of here um and just like pbr at a frat party (laughs) no walk it walk it in walk it in i i I don't know man, you know, my
1: brain is still mentally kind of checked out from my having been, like lost a week doing this and then I lost a week not not much more beforehand. So, I feel like mentally I'm still <laughs> I'm still oh man, I don't need to make content anymore. I can just let my brain completely dissolve and not have to critically examine anything isn't that so awesome but now I'm being put on the spot again trying to put words together in such a way as to be pleasing funny maybe even a little bit insightful and that kind of pressure you know sometimes pressure can create diamonds
0: other times it can just create like jelly and you know what I'm the jelly right now and, you know, that that's fair. I will say, for, for those of you not accustomed to putting a microphone in front of your face for an hour and just expecting good things to come out, it can feel a little weird sometimes. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're back here in the forge, in the heat. Um, it is, in fact, the dog days of summer currently. Yes. It's starting to get hot outside. And, you know, the, the blood can boil. And next week, Tucker and I are going to have a cage fight.
1: Yes. And... Um everyone is invited to come see it we will be at the can i just say civic auditorium and expect that a substantial portion of my audience will know what i'm talking about
0: yo i'll meet you at the splash pad (laughs) downtown we're about to we're about to throw bows we're gonna go to the aquatic center (laughs) yo meet me at the aquatic center for an ass whooping (laughs) That's going to be the new brand of this podcast. We're going to have a bit where we take a, a lav mic out to random places in Kingsport and try to fight people. Yes. Um,
1: and I think that would be great for just an audio medium. I just got to say that. Because <laughs> you can just kind of picture the sort of person that we're uh, we're approaching. We are going to approach the most... Miserable and tiny and weak looking people with the toughest voices you will ever <laughs>
0: find. It's a very similar experience to putting on a world star hip hop video and then turning off the monitor. Um, and so we're really looking forward to some of that heat uh, that we're going to be bringing. Um,
1: it reminds me of this uh, guy who, um, what was his name? Something like T- Timothy Treadwell. There was like this documentary about him, and his shtick was. He loved to go hang out with the bears in like Alaska or wherever, and make video of them. Well, one day he gets eaten by the bear, and um, <laughs> now the the video the, the there was no actual video of it, but there was audio of him being mauled and consumed oh, by no. this bear. And I feel like that's the vibe that our podcast. Just constantly go, there's something clearly awful happening here that you're not privy to the full scope of. You can just hear the sounds that emanate from this
0: awful, awful thing that's happening. That's occurring uh, in real time for your ears. Yeah, so I mean, in a probably one of the weirder segues that I've done, talking about hearing a bear mauling somebody, you know, the folly work... For the show that we watched this week was some of the most truly horrifying. I like physically cringed, mm. you know, at least a dozen times watching this show because I mean, just the visceral sounds of some of the carnage happening were some of the most just frankly disturbing and graphic things I've seen. And this was a cartoon.
1: Yes, we are, of course, talking about
0: Invincible. Care Bears. <laughs> uh invincible yeah right
1: right okay and before we actually get on topic this reminds me of this other video that i saw <laughs> that was just um uh, some guy advice went behind the scenes with the studio that does um Mortal Kombat yeah. the games and he just got to work with the uh, sound engineers for a day then literally just like squishing fruit and such doing oh, yeah. all, all the kinds of stuff that you know that needs to be done to make flesh ripping and bones crunching and all that kind of thing and it was it was kind of fun to watch just you know a little disarming for when you ever go back and like play the game again
0: yeah well and so for the Um, you know, to even sidebar your sidebar as someone who's worked in audio for a little while, you have a lot of opportunities where like, so, you know, when I'm recording people, I have the microphone really close to them and I have headphones on. So I'm hearing certain things really, really clearly that maybe they're not aware I can hear. Or sometimes they're very aware you can hear them. Like I remember at one point I was doing a recording session for someone who would like eat candy and then get their like mouth directly up on the mic and chew the candy. And it was just like the worst hostage asmr situation that you could possibly imagine um
1: for instance people think that i am talking on this podcast but what i'm actually doing is taking a bag of cracker jacks and just kind of like crunching (laughs) them right up against the microphone and
0: um, he's actually doing the pat back from spongebob (laughs) (laughs) his mouth isn't moving at all he's just pat back (laughs) the whole show So you know, you all can have fun with that uh, that mental imagery that we're painting for you right now. So invincible, Uh, Um, yeah. So we got off
1: topic before we were even on topic. We're not
0: look. We're not gonna do Stranger Than Fiction round two. We can't do it yet. We have to give it at least a couple months in the cask to kind of you know ferment a bit. We
1: actually believe it or not have thoughts about this show, and not only this show but the greater kind of phenomenon surrounding it. So. For those who are somehow unfamiliar and still find themselves in the target audience for this podcast, Invincible is an animated series that um, is, has been streaming on Amazon. It was streaming weekly and it just finished recently, and it it's a superhero uh show adapted from the comic book by robert kirkman better known uh, at least until now for uh, writing the walking dead and oh yeah okay yeah which was also you know comic book before it was a show for I'm anyone learning. who is not familiar and <laughs> i
0: watched like a season and a half and got bored so like didn't wasn't a lot of tread on those tires for me yeah
1: um we could make this a Walking Dead episode, <laughs> but I don't want. <laughs> Let's to win. make nobody this wants that <laughs> a Walking Dead episode. Uh, believe it or not, still like Robert Kirkman. And so the point is, um, yeah, it's superhero. It's about um, this guy, Mark Grayson, who is the son of a human woman and a superhero with a similar sort of backstory to Superman, uh, Nolan Grayson, better known as Omni Man. Who, um, yeah, he, again, he comes from this universe's kind of Krypton uh, analog, and he is serving as the Superman analog for Earth, but there's some stuff going on behind the scenes here.
0: Well, and so, you know, the other thing is, obviously, you're listening to a discussion podcast, and we're going to be talking about the show Invincible, so if you have plans to watch it, or you are halfway through it, there are going to be just spoilers galore ahead, so... I really don't know what to tell you about, like, hey, jump back in at this point in the audio. Just maybe take a miss
1: yeah, on, uh, uh,
0: or or finish the show first and then listen to this. But, you know, just doing our due diligence and saying, hey, we're going to talk about the whole show and all of the plot devices. So with that
1: out of the way. Um, so uh, the way I've heard it put uh, by a lot of people, and I think this is pretty fitting. You think that the Viltramites, the race that... Um, you know, Mark's dad comes from our this universe's Kryptonians when they're actually more like this world's uh, Saiyans right from dragon ball z yeah much and, more so and um yeah so no um he's he's trying to conquer the earth but mark doesn't know that at the beginning and so or he... for the vast
0: majority of the show really sure sure
1: i knew it from the beginning because i read the comics you were you 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 hadn't even heard any of the this i was
0: 100 percent canon blind going into this and so let me tell you episode 6 7 and 8 punched me in the gut so many times i expected my colon to come out of my nose that's that's let's come back
1: to that though great um yeah just but finishing this is not a show that's primarily about nolan it's primarily about mark who being half human and half philtrumite his uh he's a teenager and his um his powers are springing up with puberty so we get to see teen drama playing out with a guy who can fly and basically has the generic kind of Superman power set. So yeah, no, that's the plot of the show for the moment. We'll get into some other things as we talk organically,
0: but what'd you think? I mean, overall, I thought it was like absolutely like masterfully written and like taking us through this story and lots of different little subplots, which I enjoyed a lot of some of the smaller plot device interworkings between characters and stuff like that. Um, And we've, we've talked about that a bit and we'll talk about it more in in a while, but overall, like the tone of the show, frankly, I thought I was going to take a miss on it. I watched the first episode Mm. because I'd seen an ad and I was like, Hey, you know what, whatever, we'll check it out. And after the first episode, which the last 10 minutes of the first episode are some of the most graphic, happy tree friends esque shit that you can currently (laughs) acquire on mainstream streaming like it is a rough with a capital r and Mm. a dog bark like lots of carnage um i took a break i didn't watch another episode for a full calendar week because i was just like what am i doing why (laughs) am i watching this And then, you know, you watch the second episode and the third episode and you start getting, you know, into the rhythm of it and you start to like actually give a shit about anybody on the screen. And you're like, oh, okay, this is this is fine. I can like I can vibe with this. But like, frankly, I found the like kind of over the top goriness, edgy element of the show to be slightly off putting. And it's something I only grew to like over time.
1: Well, I think it was employed effectively at that moment because what you're talking about is. The moment when you ser- when you first learn that there's something askew is at at, at the very beginning of the show. Omni Man, Mark's dad, is presented as a straightforward good guy, Superman type figure who assists his world's equivalent to the Justice League, who are the guardians of the globe. With you know, there's again equivalents for all of the main. Um, the main characters from the Justice League. Like, there is a there is a you Wonder the Woman, you have, yeah. there's a Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Man, Hunter, Aquaman, all those guys. And, you know, you, you think, okay, this is going to be an interesting kind of show, right? And at the very end, he just murders them all. He just, just marks them, murders them all in the most graphic way possible. Uh, somehow less depressing than in the comic books, because as I expressed this to you before, in the show, there's something of a fair fight in the sense that, like, all of the Guardians of the Globe are roughly equal in power to Omni-Man. In the comic books, there's no, there's like no competition. He just straight up kills just them all. brutalizes. brutalizes. Yeah, yeah. Before we go into this, it must be said, you uh, knew nothing about the show going into this. And my bias coming into this is I'm not going to pretend that I was ever like an OG sort of invincible fan who had been following it forever but I had been familiar with the comics I've read some of the comics I own some of the comics in my own kind of vast cavernous collection and I know about Robert Kirkman and his work and moreover I've known that they've been trying to make this into something for a while now they've been trying to adapt it for the longest time they were trying to adapt it as a live action film and I'm not sure if this would work, putting aside even film versus uh, television, I'm not sure if this would translate as well to no, absolutely um, not. live action for a variety of reasons. The go-to comparison that a lot of people are doing, because they're both on Amazon and they're both violent deconstructions of superhero tropes, are um, the boys, right? The boys and... Um, oh, and they're back in town, mind Invincible. you. yes, right. Um, <laughs> I think this works better than the boys in a lot of ways. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan of either the comics or the, uh, show the boys. I'm sorry. At me all you want. Never been a huge, because it's just so like, yes, I get it. It's, um, deconstructing these tropes about these characters who we think are s- supposed to be heroes, but actually they're all assholes. But at a certain point it becomes a little bit over the top and, it it's somehow less nuanced than like your generic Marvel cape shit as the kids like to put it this day, just these days, just in the opposite direction. Whereas um Nolan Grayson, Omni Man, is as violent a character as Homelander, pound for pound, but he's a much more interesting, uh complex character, and especially we're gonna probably see that uh play out. But yeah, no, again, the ending of the first episode, that's when you first see the violence and that's when it hit, hammers you home. OK, there's something going on here.
0: Well, and so the 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 way that the show progresses, you kind of have this central through line of like, why did that happen? Because, you know, again, so for me not being familiar with any of the uh, plot, you know, I was like, well, OK, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I was with all the characters being like, why did that happen? You know, because we're all privy as viewers to the fact that Omni-Man did kill them. Everybody doesn't know that originally. And so a large part of the series is like, you know, kind of, uh, what is it? His uh, Mark's mom, Debbie, kind of like figuring it out. And she gets there ahead of lots of people.
1: What's interesting there is, and I'm not going to like point out every instance of the show deviating from the comics. I'm not going to just play that game. If for no other reason than the show is actually surprisingly faithful to the comics in a lot of ways. I remember some a uh, fair number of scenes that were pretty much directly lifted from the comics, but one big change is that Mark's mom is given more to do in the show than I remember there being the case in the comics. But, and, and, and I see why they want to do that is for the same reason that they added more diversity and they made, you know, made some of the white characters into characters of color. It's so that you can feel more progressive watching it, which fine. But part of the trouble that ends up doing is if you're going to have a show, that's like uh, pretty much faithful to the plot of the comics, um, her, doing more doesn't really amount to much in the end but that's kind of a sidebar itself yeah
0: yeah and I mean like I can I have opposing thoughts to that as well but we can we can get more into that in a second the the point that I wanted to make uh originally just in bringing her up is uh and you know we you showed me a meme about this moments before recording uh Sandra O being Mm -hmm. uh the voice actress for that just does a phenomenal job with the characterization and everything there and so like Her kind of functioning as, you know, really bringing out the duality that is Mark's character between Viltramite and human, and like her kind of having this slightly larger role in uncovering some things and like being present in his life and stuff. I feel like, especially in that final confrontation between him and his father, it, you know, it brings the human element further forward that ultimately, you know, is very impactful to the outcome of that.
1: But don't be so quick to forget that this world's. Basically, mashup of Rorschach and Hellboy, who is this <laughs> private superhero <laughs> investigator? He got down to what was going on even before she did. So,
0: yeah, no. Um, and then they excised him to hell. Yes, in like the third episode, and I was mad because I liked that character. One one kind of
1: difference between uh, the gritty recon- deconstruction, how they play this in the different shows with the boys. Uh, they try to play it as straight as possible and make it as realistic as possible in the context of a superhero universe that they can in the sense that all of the characters are essentially genetically augmented human beings. Whereas in this show, aliens, <laughs> demons, all robots, it's throwing everything against the wall. It has all of the tropes. And for
0: that, I love it, but <laughs> see the thing is, when there is no consistency, that is consistency. Yes. I'm not. And that's not a criticism. No, I know, and, and like that's that's what I'm saying is like I'm I'm agreeing with you, and I loved that that like you know oh yeah sure that exists oh the temporal effects of their DNA is different than ours sure whatever sounds right like there is no holds bar we are like canonically accepting Christ basically yeah, sure why not in tandem with. You know, robots and Viltramites and everything else, and so it's like it's it's really cool. It's really fun that they play with that as much as they do.
1: The strongest um, character superhero within the universe of the show who is not um, Nolan Grayson is a guy who is essentially immortal Abraham Lincoln, who um, survived being shot because he got his powers as a caveman and has been assuming different identities all through the days. And is now with us in the present. Yeah,
0: do you remember that time they retconned Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> just as a whole person? Yeah. Um. Um. So well, and then there's also Battle Cat, who I really hope comes back in season two and season three because that scene where he is just, just like literally using a bladed mace to punch a hole through <laughs> through Mark is really good, and uh, I like that character a lot. Um.
1: Well, there are going to be a lot of characters who are going to come later because again this is pretty much a faithful adaptation there are going to be a lot of characters who are going to come and are you're going to they're going to make the kind of guys that you think are the big baddies now seem like little pussy cats. and it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be real fun
0: um no uh so well that's uh that's it, great to hear um it, i want to oh sorry i no. not mean to cut d- you off did you did you have something you oh, were going i to say? was gonna i was gonna pivot are you cool to pivot well, or do you have one more thing on this line I, of reasoning
1: well, The last thing I just want to kind of get off my chest about the um, comparing the books to the show at all, and we can just kind of start talking more about the show as it is, is, again, I don't want to be like the hipster guy who goes out and says, oh, yeah, I liked it before. It was cool. Because this is more me just being kind of like genuinely surprised that it seems to have carved out Um, A pretty strong following of people who didn't have knowledge of the comics beforehand. I was pleasantly surprised that I see people on social media talking about this show. And I was like, wow, I, I had never expected it, at least in the context of like an animated show to hit the zeitgeist in the way that it did. And yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: I mean, it feels a lot to me like if you took your run of the mill WB cartoon from when we were kids, like, you know, the running Yu Gi Oh series or, you know, something that would have been on Toonami and just up the production value and make it for adults. And, you know, like that, that's going to have base appeal, right? Like, even if you have people that aren't familiar with the comics, you throw it on Amazon and put some ads up and people are going to be like, yeah, I'll check it out.
1: Yeah. Anecdotally, I, I noticed that a lot of people who are, to the extent that they're big, nerds about anything they're mostly nerds about like anime like a lot of the weebs american weebs seem to be really into the show and i think that's for whatever reason a huge part of um invincibles fan base which you know point.
0: you're you're courting uh strange bedfellows at that point but hey well. you know what views are views my man views are view- are listens or listens <laughs> yeah exactly oh, we, we want the, all the weebs to listen to him. hey weebs furries but mm, whatever um so the one the one thing that i wanted to bring to this is just because i'll be real I have one mildly meaningful pop culture reference and then some shallow takes. So here we go. Right. Um, I've been streaming uh, sour by Olivia Rodrigo, which just came out recently, like nonstop. And it's just, just poppy teen BS, like on a mass scale. Um, and it's, it's really, really good. Great album. Give it a listen. But um, so my, my headspace has been very like high school, very like, you know, early baby romance kind of stuff. And so, you know watching the show and seeing first of all the relationship between mark and amber which by the way not a huge fan of and that Mm. might be because i ship something else which weird for me talking about ships in 2021 but here we are um you know like i feel like the dynamic between those two relations those two characters is super forced and i'm not the biggest fan of it as like this continued through line for mark because he's kind of like oh i gotta get her gotta get her gotta get the girl gotta get the girl but we never really see like other than like the first episode, what's even mildly endearing about her to him. Besides that, like, you know, he likes her. Um, So I'm, I'm a big fan of the relationship between him and Adam Eve, who is, to me, a much more interesting character. And they kind of play with the idea of them having something in the early season, but then it doesn't really materialize or go anywhere. And that was a plot line that I was really, really, probably unnecessarily invested in. Um, because I remember texting you about it, and you were like, I, I could not care less. I Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie.
1: Um, the teen drama aspect of it is the least interesting and least essential part of the show for me. I I probably kind of tuned out for like a substantial <laughs> number of the scenes that were primarily uh, focused on that. Um, I will say, of course, they're not going to get... Um, Mark and uh, Eve together in the first season, they're going to play that ship out for as long as they possibly can. And I hope this <laughs> isn't a spoiler, but I mean, I think you're probably going to see they're... more action on that front. Oh yeah. Somewhere down the line. Well, but I'm... the point, you know, it's it's been too developed not for that or not to be some sort of. Sure. On it. The point is that, um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure who it's, it's for. Uh, like are there are there like a huge number uh, like conversely to my point about all the anime fans are, are there a huge number of like cw tier kind of superhero tumblr refugee type fans who are watching this show because who you know this is the primary thing that appeals to them about this sort of thing because i haven't seen it <laughs> well uh, see
0: for me it's more so just that like you know i love all the fighting and the punching and stuff like that but like you gotta give me some stuff in the middle there mm-hmm. and like they do some of that in like a higher cerebral, uh, kind of area with, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Cecil Stedman, the director sure. of the, like the defense agency thing. Um, that, you know, like kind of exploring this kind of weird, almost nihilistic existential approach to, you know, being somebody that's just watching everybody die all the time and trying to play damage control. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that's a, that's a fun little kind of departure from just punching things in the face constantly. But like, for me, a little bit of that teen drama, it gives like characterization to Mark Grayson in that he is a teenager and he's figuring his life out and he is a human, in addition to being a superhero, and mm-hmm. so like for for me, that was a lot of value added, and it doesn't sound like it completely ruined the show for you. It, so it like,
1: ruined the show for me. I mean, I can accept that this is you know part of a grand tradition of comic books going back, sure. you know, decades. I mean, I think the like though his power set is the closest to Superman. I think like as a character, um, Mark has been traditionally. Most closely compared to Spider-Man, sure. of the Marvel Universe, and in fact, one of Robert Kirkman's first big thing when he started getting Marvel gigs was um, he did do an Invincible Spider-Man crossover, <laughs> right? Um, it'd be interesting to because it's been generally faceable, It'd be interesting to see if they actually ever got the rights to do that sort of thing because it was actually a pretty important moment for Mark in a lot of ways. But you know, I'm not holding my breath.
0: Yeah, I... Th- <laughs> See, personally, I don't know why, but the offshoot that that sent me on was what if Mark Grayson was instead voiced by... Um, oh, shoot, what's his nuts? Uh, Tom Holland, but right. with no American accent whatsoever, and no one addresses it at any point. He's just ridiculously British for no reason. I, that would that would be something, I, I guess. I, I, uh, <laughs> no. Um, also, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Like, Simmons. So we have to talk about it. the The voice acting is absolutely stacked. Like, this cast is insane and the voice acting work is really 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 well done
1: no one will deny that um they didn't get a lot of talent for the show i remember referencing the show a few uh, weeks back or even longer back when we were doing this podcast right when it was just starting and i was watching it and i noted that i i just can't actually believe that after a certain point, getting all these A-list and B-list actors to do all these increasingly, you know, like kind of bit parts on the show is actually moving the needle as much as uh, for very much as far as, you know, engagement goes. It's one of those things that you it's, it's hard to accept, like on face value, Amazon actually expects a bunch of people will watch the show because... Lauren Cohen is voicing War Woman, uh, so much as, or Walton Goggins is voicing Cecil Stedman, so much as they're building relationships with these people in Hollywood, and you know, yeah, you, you got to dole out these roles somewhere, and they certainly have the money to be paying for them, though. Uh, they're not; they don't really have the money to be paying for great anime it's functional there have been some people talking about the animation as though it were the worst
0: thing in the world but it's it's fine for what it is I, I thought it was entirely serviceable like is it gonna take your breath away no but again in in my mind when i'm putting it up next to you know i don't know like totally spies or like one of these other saturday morning cartoons that i enjoyed as a kid it's not worse it's better than that right so like what are people mad about do you want it to be studio ghibli like, there,
1: there there are some true i mean but amazon could pay for that as the thing if they wanted to there are some truly deep um heartwarming and touching moments in the show um but they're elevated not by the animation they're elevated by the writing and the voice acting when it works like going back to jk simmons the the bit toward um the end where he's absolutely pulverized his son smashed him into the ground and he asks him you know what are you gonna have these people are ants to you what are you gonna have in hundreds of years when they're not around and mark goes i'll have you dad ah yeah no it just
0: (laughs) 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 Or, or like when he uh when he grabs mark and holds him in front of the subway and just forces him to kill Hundreds Hundreds of people, innocent people, just because he wants to show how much they don't mean. And it's just like, ah, that's fucked up. Yeah. Mm, In a really like gritty, visceral sense that's not just like edgy for edges sake. It's like, you know, no, this is really what he thinks about humans. You mm-hmm. know, because he's not one and he's from this civilization where, especially when you get the reveal about how the Viltramites actually are. And so instead of like building this better society or whatever, they just all killed each other. Right. <laughs> and it's like, wow, they were capitalists. It's
1: <laughs> great. Uh, social Darwinists is certainly. Um, no, it's interesting because... You you compare this to a show like, again, say, The Boys, which I'm sorry, I'm going to go back and comparing it to because that's just where the culture is. It's like, at a certain point, okay, all these bad guys, they're they're just psychopaths. They don't really have any ideas or ideology or anything. They're just monsters for the sake of being monsters. Okay, fine. Go kill a plane full of people. Whereas it is a bit more disturbing in the case of a character like Omni-Man because, you get the sense that deep down, deep down in the deepest recesses of his being, he's not an entirely bad person. He's just fully bought into this ideology, this, you know, kind of master race ideology, really, that sees all of these other people as not people, but just animals, right yeah and so, i mean that's
0: it's as he said about like how they age and stuff that's that's been sunk into him over like probably thousands of years right and so you know like that's
1: it, more creepy to me than oh gee psychopath somewhere it's just
0: know? oh i just i want to watch you hurt it's like okay cool bro like go to hot topic and get a fake earring or something yeah like, i don't care um so yeah i mean and then also uh i have two more instances that I'm thinking of that I just think are neat. One of them is specifically the episode where they take on like robot head and they deal with some of the like, you know, Hey, the inner city is a thing and we're going to talk about that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like a big, massive sweeping indictment of systemic racism, but like, it's cool that it was just like a little plot aside about like, you know, Hey, this is bigger and more nuanced than just, big dinosaur step on town, must punch, move asteroid out of way. Like it's it's more human than that. And so I really enjoyed that. It's, um,
1: it's funny because so often do we kind of forget with superhero movies oftentimes focusing on like massive conspiracies or alien invasions and all that kind of stuff, that the very beginning of the genre, it was literally just fighting crime. It was literally just like yeah. Superman stopping a guy from like robbing a bank or something, you know, <laughs> like that. The very and, and we see so little like superhero fiction actually deal with like that kind of mundane stuff, at, or even as simple as like you know getting a cat from out of the tree, right? You know, yeah. um, maybe it'll be done kind of as an aside to show you know kind of a real world impact. But oftentimes, I think super the superhero genre kind of gets wrapped up a little bit too much Safe in the world. genre stuff. Yeah. To, you know, kind of deal with that sort of thing. You know,
0: as an extension, give me Green Lantern stopping Firefest from ever occurring. Or give me, you know, give me like the Flash in court talking about how data mining is wrong. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So... Well, I mean, what sucks
1: is that oftentimes when they do that kind of crossover with, uh, especially in like, you know, film and TV adaptations with like an ostensible real world concern... It just kind of sucks. Like, yeah. uh, like, like, Daredevil is not like Daredevil is fine as a show show. But as as a superhero show, certainly, but as, like, a legal drama, it is ass. It is not, e- like, look, I'm not a lawyer, but even I know, and you could probably go watch, like, there's, like, a Legal Eagle episode about this on YouTube or something. It does not even remotely make you think, oh, yeah, like, this is what a good lawyer is. No, no, it's not.
0: Yeah, and I mean I've I've said before on this podcast that uh that show doesn't even work for me from the superhero angle. Fair so enough. it's not uh, it's not checking any stinking boxes. So here I am ranting about it years later after sure. the fact. Um the other thing that I want to talk about is uh just the the absolute, you know, super stock and predictable, but just it it's like in the horror movie when you see the people in the house and they're like, oh, I'm going to go in the cellar. And you're like, don't go in the cellar, you moron. And then they don't. And you're like, "Woo, that felt good. It's like when you see, um, Adam, like Eve's character get cheated on by a douchebag. And then she's like, you know what? I'm going to leave home and go live in the forest and then do good. Just generically for like the environment and shit. Like, thank you. Someone finally had a rational reaction to having superpowers. Like I, (laughs) you know, like I, I was the whole time I was watching, that, I was like, just leave, just go do your thing. And then she did. And I was like, great, thank you. I hadn't really seen a lot of that. So it's cool.
1: Yeah. People will oftentimes bring up like try to apply some sort of rational thinking to um, the superhero genre and think, okay, if Batman has as much money as he does, why doesn't he just more effectively, like, donate money in Gotham such that he can improve the social services and all that sort of thing and tackle the root causes of crime? Why doesn't Superman, who has, you know, his... Infinite power level do all sorts of good. Why doesn't Storm from the X Men, you know, end all droughts, all that sort of thing? And and the the boring answer is, you know, they can't do that because then there there would be no more stories. There's no show. Yeah. Um, but like more profoundly, superhero ongoing superhero fiction set in the Marvel and DC universes, especially always get kind of trapped in by the fact that they're theoretically supposed to be happening in the world around us, right? Year after year after year. So they've never fully committed to it being in a, like a fully alternate world that after a certain point you just live with God, Emperor Cal el ruling over the world, right? Um, It always has to be, you know, somewhat recognizable to us, the audience, but for that reason it you know it opens it itself up to the fridge logic of oh what how come these fantastically powered individuals aren't actually meaningfully changing the world on some sort of fundamental level right and i think that's why where something like invincible is useful in the sense that it can call upon the tropes of superhero fiction that we are familiar with without um being Tied down by all that decades of continuity to have to yeah, like answer sure. to. Yeah.
0: I, don't, I was about to say, I'm not like, I'm not over here like your <laughs> your standard centrist lib Huffington Post article that's going to come out in two months. That's like, yes, girl boss. But like, it was a cool, it was a right, cool right, 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 right. So just wanted to be clear about that before someone, you know, sent me a BuzzFeed article about, you know, the feminist icon that is Gillian Jacobs portrayal of Adam Eve. Which, like, you know, what, whatever, um, yeah, the, I'm just still emotionally damaged. The I, ending of that show is, it's rough. It is rough. It's a lot, and like, you know, you, you want a sense of closure from certain things happening that you don't entirely get, and you know, they're they're setting up for season two and three. Thank God. Thank you, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the few times I've ever said that phrase in my <laughs> life, but. Um, you know, I definitely like you get to the end of it and you're like, all right, where's the next one? Like I am, I am hungry for some more invincible content. So in, the, in that way, I think they did a, they did a really good job of like world building and establishing these long running characters that are gonna, you know, have some steam to take them through a couple seasons.
1: What I'm curious about is, if they are going to use this as a springboard to launch any, I guess, cinematic universe would be the wrong term here, but launch a greater franchise um, surrounding this character and his world. People forget this, uh, but this was a big deal back in the world of comic books three decades ago, which might as well be the Dark Ages. I get it, but um, back... uh, Invincible, neither a DC nor Marvel character. That should be pretty clear at this point. Um, uh, Invincible was published uh, by Image Comics. Image Comics being a creator-owned uh, company, theoretically, in the sense that like, if you publish a book there, um, you have the ownership of it. Um, so, But the interesting thing was it was launched in the early 90s, back when... Um, a bunch of superstar marvel artists guys like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane and all those guys so you know what we're we don't need the big guy company anymore we're going to launch our own rival um, comic company image comics and for a while it was actually pretty competitive with marvel and dc and there was a semi-coherent image universe of characters like this would probably be a more of a big deal for maybe gen xers out there but like spawn and you know young blood and uh, uh, savage dragon and those guys right it's mostly kind of fallen by the wayside or at the very least um there's not much in the way of crossover anymore but invincible was kind of definitely on the tail end of that and did tie in to that universe and it eventually became its own thing um i'm thinking you know if you wanted to do a big marvel dc competitor in media now use invincible as a springboard for all these different characters that people have almost totally forgotten about because um you do it, it, all these people who say, "Oh yeah, I want more invincible content. I more want more content set in this world." That could be the springboard. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think um, it'll be interesting to see what Amazon does with that. But then again, they've they've got a lot on their plate because they just announced they're going to buy MGM. MGM, yeah. You see that <laughs> shit? Oh yeah. yeah. Um So like
0: eight point five billion dollar acquisition
1: yeah um people have been talking about oh yeah no this is huge because that means they're gonna be buying James Bond and not really a but B even if that was true it's like okay who care but like then you think about it from my standpoint what I do care about I care about Rocky I care about Robocop I care about Stargate um so you know on the one hand it's like okay the the don't want more media consolidation i guess but on the other hand if this means that we get like a stargate show for you know like the first time in 10 years uh that'd be cool that'd be something i would watch
0: um yeah no see also me on the mgm homepage looking <laughs> at things they've released in the last 2 years and just saying what well, see, they, I like think I've I've heard of some of these things, but there are a lot of these things. Th- the
1: reason that MGM was in a position to be bought out was because they've kind of been on the ropes for a while now. They've definitely yeah. been on the decline. Like, put it in perspective: Amazon bought the studio for yeah, I think you're right, roughly eight point five billion dollars. Um, Disney bought Fox, all said was done uh, for about seventy billion dollars. You know, so that kind of gives you the uh, relative idea of the um, relative kind of uh, size of each studio by the time that yeah, they were sure. bought out. Um, I think a lot of the stuff they do now is they like produce TV shows that are then aired somewhere else. Like they produce the Fargo, sale. I think. Yeah, Fargo, well. handmade sale. Yeah, so they they do they do things s- things. I, this is, I guess, you know, Amazon just shoring up its position as. Oh yeah, we have because they want more like content um exclusive to their um platform, right? And MGM doesn't have a huge library anymore if no for no other reason than the fact that um Warner Brothers actually has their pre like 1986 library, but it's not nothing. I saw this really interesting chart um. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to show you a chart over a podcast, dear listener. But uh, look at this, Jeff. It's a percentage of streaming services content by decade of release, and you see what's going on there, and how, like, you look at yeah, especially yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like anything before even the 21st century on Netflix. It's, they do not care yeah no they like it is so disproportionately stuff that was new in the past 10 years and uh believe it or not even you zoomers who'd say who who would try to beg to differ i think there is value to having like old movies on um your uh your streaming service which i think is part of the reason why you know disney plus and hbo max have you know carved out their own niches although maybe not enough in the case of hbo max but that's a whole other topic yeah well <laughs> i don't want to get in the,
0: too much in the corporate <laughs> politics of all this right now but you know can i can i drop a few few more names for for you from the uh, invincible voice acting cast go off game. uh seth rogan yeah <laughs> they, no, got, he, they got he's, seth rogan he's a producer on the show oh
1: really so because he got attached to the project back when it was a movie as like oh yeah i'm going to produce this but then they said okay we'll do a show but then he's like oh you know if the show's successful
0: maybe we'll do a movie at some point uh okay, okay. also Ezra Miller yeah um and then there was another uh no, oh yeah Mark Hamill. sure through a through a couple voice lines in there for somebody shala ali jimon
1: hansu yeah uh yeah no no shortage <laughs> of uh voice talent here again Though, again, if Marvel, I mean, if uh, Amazon is spending the content, uh, spending the money on the voice cast, they could do just a little bit better with the animation. They could do just a little bit better.
0: Like, realistically, given the success, I don't think they expected it to do this well, just to be real. I mean, like, maybe, question mark, but I don't know. And so I think that definitely, at least given that it has performed so well and will hopefully continue to do so. Uh, looking into season two and season three um you probably will see a little bit of a bump i would imagine
1: i would hope certainly um
0: Um, so you know we'll 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 see how that plays out i don't think there are any dates for anything yet um in terms of like release dates for season two or anything like that but
1: you know um i would not imagine that it's going to be that deeply far into the future maybe like you know a year. Well, I mean, they have season. to carve
0: it all into stone tablets, yes. and then you know, like, crush the berries to make the paint. And, and I mean, you know, animation takes a long time.
1: Yes, Tucker. yes. It's, I mean, we should go back to like the old days of the like the zoetrope of like
0: you know just like <laughs> shadow puppets. That's what I was gonna say. Is let's just let's get you know get a really nice camera pointed at a cave wall, and then shadow puppets the entire second season of Invincible. I think
1: we, what's the most complicated shadow
0: puppet you can do? Probably the little, like the little snake head, you know, where you can make the teeth come out. I,
1: I, well, I, I see, I've not been sure. Like, what is, uh, okay, obviously, (laughs) listener, you're not going to be able to give feedback on this but i do want just is this like a dog or a dragon or a dinosaur see, what this, is this? i thought
0: this one was like a dog but this isn't anything it's just okay this is the worst bit that we've done today no i actually for accessibility. i actually
1: really <laughs> like it though because it not least because i'm legitimately curious see it has an eye you can see that and i mean he has a snout. it is
0: very reptilian i think in my mind like i think that's more of a snake than a dog do you okay like, I, you know, my, so like if you make the Vulcan hand and then turn your hand over so that your pinky is towards the ground, this is the most niche shit that's ever happened. Um, And then you like kind of open and close the pincer between the middle and the fourth finger. That gives you kind of like a dog-esque thing with the thumb up, but uh-huh. that's, uh, or you can do like between uh, three finger and one finger. I don't know. Were butterfly. Ever, I got the butterfly all day. Were um, you ever
1: like one of those kids who like spent an inordinate amount of time in middle school trying to... Do the gang signs just right. Yeah, you know, try to
0: try. Oh, I can't I can't throw the blood sign. I can't do it. I had friends that could do it and, like curl their hands into weird shapes. Which why were we doing that? Is nothing you know, just something to do, man. It's just
1: <laughs> it's just something why, to do. Why are a
0: bunch of middle class white children throwing okay, the blood sign let, let's be in fair. Appalachia? In, in
1: in 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 a place like Appalachia, a lot of them are substantially less well off than uh middle <laughs> yeah, class, enough. to be fair. It's like, no, an,
0: it's like an LA four being a Kingsport ten, same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Kingsport middle class. You're probably basically, you know.
1: <laughs> um, I could always, you
0: know, I've, I'm double jointed. Uh, I remember this about you, and it's, yeah, you know, I can. It's oh, a thing.
1: I I so dearly want to demonstrate to our listeners that I can lick my elbow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> listeners, please, in your mind's eye. Imagine Tucker licking his elbow. I can do it. He he can. I've seen it happen, and you know it, it happens. Um, also, if you're a listener and you're tempted to attempt to lick your elbow, you're welcome to do that, but you will not succeed. I tried. I have tried. I will probably try again after we're not recording anymore, just to make sure I still can't. Um, most people cannot. To, um, to be clear, to be clear, what we're talking about now has
1: so much like. It is of the same vein, but has so much more remedial social value than like the guys who will go on a podcast and be like, yeah, I've drank so much last weekend or I I, I like had sex with this chick and it was so cool. And it's like, well, you know what? I can you, lick
0: my elbow. Yeah,
1: And you know what? We both have roughly equal level of proof to present our audience. So um, I like to think that I'm adding a little bit of joy and whimsy to the world. And you're just sitting here being desperately insecure that you have to tell the invisible people on the other end of the microphone that you're just this cool guy. I know I'm not a cool guy, which makes me a cool guy.
0: Hey, you know, whatever amount of copium you need, my man. Um so th- this has been a scattered but hopefully insightful discussion of the recent Amazon animated TV show Invincible. Uh, really looking forward to seeing some more of that in the future. Yes. For sure. Yes. Um, I really don't have anything else of substance to add implying that any of the last 10 minutes was no, substantial. I,
1: I, yeah. You were pretty self conscious about that. I thought that was genuinely
0: <laughs> good. Yeah,
1: I thought that was genuinely good content. I thought that was genuinely good content. Us just kind of returning back to our childhoods and be like, So so could you make this little shape? Could you could you do that?
0: My my favorite as a as a parting one. We is got where it. Where you make the little circles with your uh your thumb and your pointer finger and then you like
1: Oh yeah, no, You what, make the
0: little face mask what, what, out of your hands. I always call that was Birdman. Bird. Who who is it for you? Uh, it didn't have a name for me. I just remember I was in like middle school before I found out you could do it, and then I was sitting in the auditorium doing it, and a teacher yelled at me for like <laughs> <laughs> for like literally having my hands on my face. So you know that's uh, that's for the where longest, the American education for the long time I couldn't do it, so I just did this. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is nothing. That is a hun- that is a nothing burger for nothing uh, people. Yeah, thank you, Turner. Um, yeah, this this has truly been the daily brain bleed my name is jeff my name is ducky have an invincible